you have mobilized the most powerful law enforcement division in the world against traditionalist Catholics. Categorically, you said, we do not. We do not go to priests. It turns out you do. And the only reason we know about it is because a whistleblower came forward. We've had 99 attacks on Catholic churches this year, but the FBI is spying on Catholics. Why? This doesn't make any sense at all. Why don't you go after the criminals who are setting Catholic churches on fire or beheading our statues? Why don't you focus on that instead? That might be a better use of your time, buddy. The casual observer, they can look at Chris Ray and be like, you lied to us about the priests. You lied to us about the laptop. You lied to us about Epstein. You continue to lie about Epstein. Who is your boss? Why are you not fired? And did anyone get fired? Well, it's going to be in their performance review. Oh, no. Oh, scary. Oh. oh, my performance <laughs> review. Were they admonished for attacking the First Amendment and disrespecting Catholics in their houses of worship, or were they admonished for getting caught? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Loopcast. Today, joined as always by my co-hosts, Erica and Josh. And this week, we have more juicy FBI content Apparently, they can't get enough of Catholics, and so we have to talk about it here. Uh, Erica, what was going on with these juicy FBI segments that we watched over the past few days? Yeah, you know, I'm going to give you a rundown, but I don't think I could do it any better than Senator Josh Hawley. So I think we're going to cue that up first just to, to prime the audience. Yeah, Josh, can you, can you say the magic words for me? Roll the tape. This is one of the most outrageous targetings you have mobilized your division, the most powerful law enforcement division in the world against traditionalist Catholics, whatever the heck that means, and you're just told us you, you have not fired a single person. I mean, here, it gets worse. Your Richmond field office, they thought there was nothing wrong with this. The House interviewed the head of the Richmond field office. He testified. It's all here in the public report. I refer you to it, pages 12, 13, 14. He testified he saw no problem with this. He said he thought it was fine. In fact, we have internal memoranda of the members of the field office high-fiving. One peer reviewer, another member of the field office wrote, I think this is a great product. I really enjoyed the read. Do you have a problem with systemic bigotry against Catholics in the FBI? No. What are you going to do about this? Are you going to fire these people or not? Those individuals have all been admonished, and it is all going Honest. into their, if you would let me finish my answer, it is all going into their annual performance reviews, which has direct impact on their compensation, among other things. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. I see. So the 60 million American Catholics who, we now, who now learn that your FBI has recommended that priests be recruiters and informants, your FBI has gone to Priests, choir directors, but we're to feel better because you've admonished them for their wrongdoing. You, again, are conflating two different well, things. I'm not. When I am we taking are... your testimony where you said you do not. You said categorically, categorically, you said we do not. We do not go to priests and ask them about their parishioners. You said we do not. You didn't say we haven't. You didn't say we won't. You said we don't. As it turns out, you do. And you kept it from the public. You deliberately misled Congress about it. And the only reason we know about it is because a whistleblower came forward. I just That's fundamentally disagree with your characterization. Well, there's no characterization. The facts are the facts. And I fundamentally resent the fact that you have violated, if not the spirit, if not the letter, certainly the spirit of the First Amendment and use your law enforcement agency against Catholics in this nation. Boom. That's outstanding. We know that whistleblower. Yes, we do. We do. Our good friend we Kyle do. Seraphim. Yeah, yeah, special advisor to yeah, Catholic Shout out, shout out yeah. to Kyle Seraphim. I, I should say, though, uh, he did promise that it would be a part of their annual performance review. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the part well, that's just like, comforting. I love, I love it. Oh, Instead of your traditional 8% government increased uh, pay raise, you might only get 7.5. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Danger. Right, let's wrap it up a little bit. <laughs> Senator Hawley's fantastic moment there. Uh, what, what was that coming from? So that was at a hearing this past week in the Senate, but his remarks were based on this report that came out this week from the House, actually the other camera of Congress, uh, the House Weaponization Committee, headed by Jim Jordan, published its uh, report, its conclusions, after looking into the so-called Richmond Memo. And listeners will remember, the Richmond Memo was what Kyle Seraphim exposed. Uh, he, he published it last February. 
And it was exposing that the FBI had been cultivating sources in Catholic churches, what they called radical traditionalist Catholics among them, looking for domestic terrorists, essentially. And this memo used sources such as Salon Magazine, The Atlantic, <laughs> famous for its uh, Total rosary and the weapon of mass destruction, <laughs> right. and the Southern Poverty Law Center, which puts Catholics right up there with the KKK. So really, really great sources. But what the House Weaponization Committee report found, and Senator Hawley was referring to, is that the FBI not only proposed developing sources inside mainline Catholic churches, that's that was something that trickled out later on are. in the year, whatever yeah. mainline <laughs> is. So anyway, they, they actually did interview a priest and church choir director for information on one of their parishioners as part of its investigation at, into potential domestic terrorists in, among Catholics. So these subpoenaed internal documents from the FBI shows showed that there was no, quote, I'm quoting from the report, no legitimate basis for the memorandum, for the Richmond memo, to insert federal law enforcement into Catholic houses of worship, and yet they went ahead and did it. What this also showed, this report, not only was this is it's called the Richmond Memo, but it should be called the National Memo because it also had <laughs> nah, sources yes. in Los Angeles, which we knew about back in April. Oh, no, August. This trickled out in August with Catholic Votes FOIA requests. Los Angeles, Portland, which Catholic Vote knew about, but also Milwaukee, which was a new revelation. So it just I keeps could, I, expanding. I could have been to... I could have been in a mass that was being observed. In I, I go to mass in Milwaukee from time to time. You know? Yeah, you might you might have a file, Pogo. In fact, I'm pretty sure you they, do. Yeah, <laughs> so the shout out to the FBI guy listening to this recording hey right guys. now. It's, it's yeah, probably saw me in Milwaukee. Yeah, I always try to make sure that I do enough Catholic activism that I could never get confirmed by the Senate. So, <laughs> being, on, <laughs> being on an FBI watch list, yeah, that's great. That'd be good. Another, you, we've mentioned Kyle Seraphim. I did love that this memo right off the bat points out, or not this round of this report from the House, points out that had it not been for Kyle Seraphim coming forward and risking, I won't, I mean, life and limb might not be an exaggeration here, but had it not been for the whistleblower coming forward, this memo would still be in circulation and no one would know about it. So That's it right. very much was saying, if it wasn't for whistleblowers like him, who, I mean, he eventually, he lost almost everything over exposing what the FBI is doing and the politicization of the Federal Department of Justice. If it wasn't for men like him, this would still be out there. Yeah, and there's other whistleblowers that have helped that have sacrificed a lot, and he's been raising funds to make sure they they have a, a place to land. And so uh, mega kudos to Kyle, American hero. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was this, and of course, they all grilled him on the Catholic memo for sure. But there were some other revelations of just Seeming incompetence would be the most charitable way of putting it, but just total, it seemed like lies. I mean, it seems like we've been lied to quite a bit. Some things that come to mind where they talked about the Hunter Biden laptop, why they didn't confirm that, even though they knew that to be real. Uh, the Epstein client list has still not been revealed. They've been holding on to that. So when did those other discoveries come out as well uh, as part of this process? I saw this kind of floating around the past couple of days. Yeah. So now we're coming from the report that came out from the House into the Senate Judiciary hearing, which is where we heard from Senator Hawley just now. And this hearing was convened because FBI Director Chris Wray is requesting the renewal of surveillance powers granted to the FBI um, under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And he's asking for these powers to be, they, they expired in December this month, and he wants Section 702, it's called, to be renewed. And so the Senate Judiciary Committee calls him up and is like, okay, how have you been doing with all these powers <laughs> granted to you? Yeah. Um, and of course, the question is, are we, we're seeing these, these episodes. We have Hunter Biden. We have the FBI. We have uh, the surveillance of social media accounts during the election cycle. I mean, there's a little bit of ooh, evidence of overreach here. And so they wanted yeah, to you ask don't say. Him. And of course, the whole hearing, Ray, as you heard him with Holly, this wasn't just with the FBI and the priests and the Catholics, but it was every single issue. He was defending the FBI's action and saying, well, you know, we really need more funding because the reason we haven't been oh, able yes. to do our job as well is because you just didn't give us enough money. 
Well, one of the things that was that I saw that was one of the most shameful things that they talked about was that they tipped off Hunter Biden uh, that they were going to raid his storage facility yeah. or something like that. Like, obviously, he wouldn't be there. And they're like, well, when it comes to someone with a security detail, it's common practice that we tell the security detail that, hey, you know, we're going to go in here. And then think about that compared to how they treated Mark Hawk, who just oh my gosh. is a Catholic dad with kids. They kicked down his door with long barrel rifles, no warning at all, when they could have at least he was so ready to go in. And Mark offered to go uh, in, right? You think these people need more money? These people need more money to do their job, supposedly. So And more surveillance power. <laughs> right. Like like it's kind of like a job interview or or a performance review and you think you're going to get a raise, but you've basically burnt down the company and all of its reputation. Like it was so unbelievable. Like <laughs> the gall of this man to walk in and be like, give us more money, give us more power. Um, and you know what, what's really shameful? I think for the casual observer, they can look at Chris Ray and be like, well, you lied to us about the priests. You lied to us about the laptop. You lied to us about Epstein. You continue to lie about Epstein. Who's his boss? Merrick Garland. Who's Merrick Bar- Garland's boss? It's President Joe Biden, who is Catholic. Allowing all of these things to happen under his presidency, you know, rosary wielding, nice old man, Joe Biden, he's allowing his own church to be spied on, supposedly. This, it's just so beyond the pale to me that he is not, he's aware of all this, right? I mean, he's getting briefings. He's okay with it. As much as he's aware of anything at this point. Yes, he's aware of it. We've had 99 attacks on Catholic churches this year, but the FBI is spying on Catholics. We're going to church on Sunday. Why? This doesn't make any sense at all. It's like, why don't you, instead of investigating whether I'm going to church and trying to record, you know, people who are going to mass or whatever, spy on us or talking to the priests or choir directors, um, I don't know. Why don't you go after the criminals who are setting Catholic churches on fire or beheading our statues? Why don't you focus on that instead? That might be a better use of your time, buddy. In fact, Congress needs to step this up and just remove Chris Ray from power, kick him out. We have the power to do this. It's our government. Why are we allowing such horrible men and women run this agency? The FBI is a bunch of thugs. We want to get them back to actually solving crimes and fighting against criminals instead of, you know, oh gosh, this person's going to mass. That's the real problem. We break this guy. It's unbelievable. And he was so annoyed. Yeah, I, know. They, I think the one thing he was saying in defense of them. So we need more money because we handle child trafficking and money laundering. That's what we do. And it's like, well, if you did that, we wouldn't have a problem with what's going on. Right. With all the other things you're doing. Like, yes, we all want to get rid of child tra- trafficking and money laundering, but that's not our issue. If you would just do that, you'd have your money, but you just overstep all of your power. Two massive scandals that the FBI has been involved with, not even the Hunter Biden thing, but two massive scandals. Number one, this all this stuff about the Catholics. You know, the Richmond, uh, Richmond memo, spying on Catholics, talking to priests, choir directors, find out what's going on in, inside these parishes and stuff like that. Like, hello. That's the scandal number one. Scandal number two was when the FBI would communicate with Twitter a couple of years ago during the election and say, okay, you need to delete this guy. You need to delete this comment. You need to delete these, you know. And it's like, wait a minute right. now. Like, if there was two things that the American founders came back we're able to somehow come back to life and, and see what life was like in the 21st century. They would be astounded. Like, wait a minute, you have a federal law enforcement agency that is nuking free speech and they're spying on people who are going to church. Look, dude, you thought, I mean, January 6th would look like a picnic compared to what the founding fathers would do to the, our <laughs> men, congressmen. If this, they would go crazy. There's a reason why both of those freedoms are the First Amendment, like the first. They are the primary foundational freedoms. And the FBI, like you said, Josh, the the primary foundational scandals from the FBI are attacking exactly those. And it's got to stop. You and said you know, it's Chris so Ray, great, Erica. He failed to fire anyone. Oh, well, thanks, Josh. But he, he <laughs> failed to fire anyone. But someone needs to get fired. Like, And it Uh-oh. should be him. It should be no, Chris that, Ray. That was a great part. Did anyone get fired? Well, it's going to be in their performance review. Oh, no. oh, scary. oh my performance <laughs> review. What's well, the most the important right that we him. have? Were they but admonished? What's... No, no, Josh, hold on. Hold on. Were they admonished for attacking the First Amendment and disrespecting Catholics in their houses of worship? Or 
were they admonished for getting caught? That's what I want to hear. I want to yes. see what that verbiage was. Exactly. Sorry, Josh. Thanks for getting caught. That's why we're suing the FBI over this. We want to get to the bottom of this, and, and we get these documents back, and, and they, they redact so many of the documents. But what we can see, what little that we can see, they're more concerned about how embarrassing it is for the agency. They're more concerned about how it's going to affect the FBI's public relations. They actually don't think, oh my gosh, how could we allow this to happen that we'd have agents of the FBI going after Catholics who are just going to church? That, that's the scandal. But for them, the scandal is, oh my gosh, we got caught and people are going to think bad of us. It just, it's just crazy to me. It's, it's an FBI that's wildly out of control. Well, yeah, I wonder at what point people are just like affected so personally that they're willing to just go on the tear it all down. I mean, that's what Trump is promising to do. DeSantis is promising to do. Ramaswamy's promising to do is just, we need to gut these institutions. They're way o- overfunded, overstaffed, have way too much power. And I feel like for Catholics, hopefully this is kind of a wake up moment to be like, they're spying on us in our houses of worship for doing nothing. We, we There's nothing that wrong that's been done. This is under no accusations of anything. I, 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 the only thing um, I would worry that's people about- That's personal for me. I think people need to be steeled for this battle though, because when we talk about how this FBI agency has gone wildly out of control, you know, nuking free speech, telling companies like stop citizens of this country from being able to freely express their own opinions- spy on people as they attend church. I mean, like, could you imagine? That's like the worst you can get. And, and our KGB federal government level. is doing this. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> you think to like these horrible things. And then when we say we need to strip down the FBI, we need to reduce his power, we need to nuke it, we need to get rid of it because they're doing such egregiously horrible things. And then the other side says the FBI is trying to stop bank fraud, you know, millionaires and billionaires from stealing money from the you know, American people. They're going after child pornographers. And yet the Republicans want to get rid of the FBI. It's total gaslighting. And that's what they do on every issue. They do, they do this every day of the week. Oh, you actually don't want hundreds of thousands of people to pour across the border. And you want to actually build some sort of barrier. You're racist. You're homophobic. You're evil. Everything. They throw everything at the kitchen sink. And after a while, our, our politics are going to completely break down because you're, it's called gaslighting, where you just set the other person practically on fire with, with your lies. You, you're not even having an honest, robust debate about this. It could be that the other side, if they had any honesty, would say, yes, you're right. There's no way the FBI should, would, should try to nuke free speech and they shouldn't go after people who are going to church. That's horrible. Let's fix this. But we don't. We don't have that. The other side is pretending like, oh, you're against... You're against going after criminals for bank fraud and for child pornography. And so it's it, you really are having a breakdown in our ability to communicate because you're, you're just having this absolute breakdown in political discussion and debate in this country. Well, and there's a reason. It's a good point. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you going to bring up the story uh, about the Alaska guy? No. So I feel like this needs to be said because people do get on the side of fearing the unknown so they support the FBI. So one story that really, really bothers me is there, and Luke Rodkowski from the Daily Wire's investigative journalist broke this, there was a known uh, pedophile in Alaska that had been embedded, an FBI agent was basically sending like unspeakable things back and forth with them. And they were going, they were, they were planning on getting him. They knew he was doing it. He was active in the community. He was like defiling children, young children. And they gave up going after that case because of January 6th. And they moved resources. The FBI moved resources from going after child predators to go after people that were walking around the Capitol. And that's why I really think it's important to get all the footage out there of what actually happened on January 6th, because the more that people see of that, the harder it is to kind of keep up this facade that it was somehow the worst thing to ever happen. The worst thing to ever happen to someone is their child Absolutely. I can't even, I don't even want to talk about it. It hurts me so much to even think about that. But know that your FBI, the people that were supposed to be protecting us from this, gave up going after this pedophile. And I think he was found three years later after years of wrongdoing. Uh, they gave up to go after the January 6th protesters, in which they've kept people in jail for years with no parole, no hearing, uh, all for these bogus charges like loitering or, or something. 
they, they just make up these charges that keep these people in here. So I don't want to, I'm so beyond giving them the benefit of the doubt at this point. I think I'm at the point where radical tear it down. I, I don't think any FBI should have the power, especially with the failures that they've had. They should not get more money. If anything, they should be halved. Um, leave law enforcement to actual law enforcement and not give this juggernaut like spy agency also the authority and power to enforce as well with guns and things like that. It, it, they're done for me. I, I'm so beyond it. Yeah, I think that Josh's point, though, <clears throat> that Catholics, because then then the question becomes, well, what do I do? Do I sit here and wait for someone to get elected to tear it down? I think Josh's point that Catholics need to prepare themselves for a very long slog battle ahead. It's not just going to happen overnight. Like even, Trump was elected in 2016 and he he didn't even succeed in tearing it all down the way he thought he would over those four years because the bloat and the bureaucratic structure, it's like Jabba the Hutt just sitting on the swamp. You know, like, <laughs> it's going to take a lot to tear it down and a lot will be broken in the process. But I think Catholics do need to prepare themselves that it's going to get tougher before it gets better. I, I really don't see this being like we elect the right person next November and all of a sudden, well, we just get rid of all the structures and everything's fine. Um, not sure that's that's actually practically going to Yeah, we got to play the long game on this, that's for sure. So uh, we move on now to, uh, we have some sweet merch at the Catholic Vote store. Woo! So specifically, it's JP2 merch uh, for the March for Life. So we prepared some things for you for the March for Life. If you want to get some sweet merch to march in, uh, go check out the store. It is store.catholicvote.org. We're going to leave a link in there. Really cool stuff. Our designers did a great job on it. Go check that out now. I like the beanie. So, there's, a, there's a new beanie. Go check out the beanie. Great stocking stuffer. Check it out. Beanies go great with the March for Life because yeah, usually it's, it's freezing. Freezing. <laughs> freezing. I've been to many myself. Uh, so the, the next story we have here, and this is something that kind of circulated around the internet and it's a little bit more lifestyle, but Guy Benson, Fox News, uh, he's conservative but lives an active homosexual lifestyle, has a uh, partner married to his male partner, and he... What really set people off was that they uh, had a surrogate uh, carry one of their children and then now announced, made this announcement with their uh, surrogate child, uh, the two of them, and a lot of conservatives were kind of offering congratulations, which I think most sensible people, that's kind of, you know, the first thing that you think of when someone has a child, you want to thank them. And then I think there were other people that really, it's, this is a hard situation because you don't want to be attack people personally. But what, what is done, I think, when you really get to the bottom of it is so uh, unnatural and evil uh, to do to a child and to rent out wombs like this. It's so commercial and disgusting that people kind of had to get in the debate here of what are we really conserving? Um, and so I, I think I kind of set that up well. Erica, why do you think that this really set people off? I mean, it's been talked about for the last week. So surrogacy is an industry, and I think it's very important that people think about what's being done. We live in a culture where we've been trained to go by our feelings, right? We don't we don't live in a, in a it's very much like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to. Um, and, and for pro-life Christians, we see this cute picture of this adorable baby boy posted on Facebook, and we don't want to seem like we're attacking that child. That child who exists now with, you know, him and his partner, Guy Benson, we also think of recent uh, Dave Rubin and his partner manufactured a child for themselves too. I think at this point, Pete Buttigieg. I mean, this is a this is becoming a very mainstream thing for wealthy elites on both the conservative and the liberal side of the aisle to make babies when you can't have them naturally. And so, I think pro-lifers might feel caught between a rock and a hard place. That like, I want to celebrate life. But the way that this child was brought into the world is, as you said, Tom, is it's evil. It is objectively treating children as a product that you can you can buy. And I think, you know, I want to go back to when Dave Rubin announced his and his partner's manufacture of their own family, because the way that he talked about it was very telling. He talked about they went through catalogs of women to select the egg that they wanted. Then he and his partner each produced sperm and they they had these eggs and the sperm put together in a lab in Petri dishes. So I think they ended up with 10 embryos 
that were the biological children of Dave and 10 that were the biological children of his partner. And then they start implanting them. And it, it, the whole way he describes it really exposes how this Wait, so ni- is. So 19 didn't make it? Yeah, 19 didn't make it. I, be- I believe I need to go check on that, but I think they've wow. had two now. And one is Dave's is child crazy. and one is this. I mean, he talked about he even approached his sister at one point to donate eggs so there'd be more biological relation. And it's just this bizarre um, divorce of these family relationships from biological reality. And the the very 1984, it, it sounds so cliche. Everyone says, oh, 1984, brave new world. But it's true. Those books were prophetic in the way that we are treating these children. And I loved Katie Faust. Josh, you, you sent this over to us. Katie Faust at The Federalist wrote a phenomenal response to um, the announcement about how, how we need to frame our arguments against sur- surrogacy. Um, they have to focus on the rights of the child that basically these couples with these funds are creating children to be orphans. They are creating orphans who they will then call my child, I am their father, and they will bring them up. They are deliberately creating children without mothers. They are deliberately um, creating kids to be trafficked. And like you said, as Catholics, we believe life begins at the moment of conception. Well, Dave Rubin and his partner have 20 children. What happens to all those other kids who don't get to be born? Like they were either selected because they they had undesirable genetic traits that were picked up with the testing. Um, it, it's it's so disturbing and and so evil. And pro-lifers, yes, we can celebrate the life of a person while also condemning the way that they were conceived. We do this all the time with rape, right? A child conceived in rape has dignity as a child of God. But we can absolutely condemn the violence and the evil with which their life came into the world. Yeah, it's not the kids' fault. And and to to note as well, most of Europe actually surrogacy is illegal. Like this is a this is a practice that's actually banned banned in a lot of places for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about here. But I don't know if it's like a capitalism streak thing in America to believe that you know if you can do it, you should do it. Obviously, this is only available to the very rich elites. It's super expensive. It's time intensive. Uh, women are in a position where they would take the money to carry someone's child for nine months. I mean, it's just a all around such a bizarre situation that I definitely does not deserve conserving. I, I don't. This is not a conservative thing to talk about. I don't know why anyone's cheering this on. The Catholic Church has been clear on this from day one. Like, this is not the answer for people who are infertile. I we. The church, sure. you know, there our heart goes out to people who are infertile, uh, that want to have children and can't. Uh, we do think adoption is loving, but the thing is, adoption, the understanding of adoption as and why it's different than this is that we still understand that it's as you say, Eric, and as Katie Foss has made the point, it's them before us. The children have a right to a mother and a father, and so if you're not able to raise the child, but someone else is, then you're still recognizing that child's right to having a mom and a dad as much as that that is absolutely the goal that we're always going to go for as opposed to a gay couple who can never have any children of their own they need to you know they need to use somebody else and of course this whole mechanical scientific process for creating new human life is so artificial it's really a tragedy and 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 again we have to just get back to what the, what the gay couples have have said is now well i i have a desire to be a parent therefore i have a right to it and what they're going to start doing is having the government state governments pay for all this stuff because they feel like it's not fair for me not to be a parent if i want to it, it again we we've break broken it down so much where people like i think part of this is again we have to look in the mirror a little bit a lot of a lot of men and women in this country, you know, a lot of couples that decide we're going to get married, but we're going to postpone having children for years and years and years. Maybe we won't have any at all. And so then we've disassociated the link between marriage and having children, which used to be as obvious as it gets. And 
and and and we made it. Well, I'm going to decide now we're going to be parents. Well, actually, you decide that when you get married. Exactly. Like, and not just marriage and children, but sex and children that you don't even have to have bile. You don't even have to have sex to make more babies. And I think, too, for me, just as a mother and a woman, the the total erasure of what it means to be a mother and to have a mother. And this is of a piece with the whole trans ideology and how they speak about your body and your relation to you as well, because it reduces you to your body to a collection of functional parts. And what I mean by that is this and I, I hate to I don't want to harp on one guy, Dave Rubin. But he he spoke the most about his experience with surrogacy um, most freely. And he this was another comment he made uh, to Jordan Peterson, actually, when he did an interview with him. And Jordan Peterson asked him about breastfeeding and saying, well, doesn't science show us that breastfeeding is a really important part of a young child's life? And obviously, in the case of orphans, true orphans, this is a tragedy that they don't get to breastfeed with their mother. And so what are you what are you and your partner doing about making up for breastfeeding, which is a ridiculous thing to say, because science tells us you can't make up for the experience of breastfeeding. Um, And not everyone can. I've had issues with it myself and and it's hard. But but David Rubin's response was, oh, well, we have two freezers full of breast milk. And so we're just making up for it because we, we purchased breast milk from a very healthy woman and so now the baby will be fine and we're going to use skin to skin contact. We've been doing research. But again, it's reducing the idea of mother to a uterus haver, like women with uteruses is how the, the trans movement refers to me. Like I'm a woman with a uterus and then there are women without yeah. uteruses. And so like they rent the woman with the uterus, they purchase the lactator's milk. They bring it all together. They purchase eggs from the the egg haver, put them in the uterus haver, purchase the lactator haver's product. And, oh, bingo, the child has mother something. Like, the, it, it's just- Like, it's all well, like a math equation It's all or a something. math. Yeah, and it's so divorced from motherhood. Isn't that just a new, isn't that just a new school heresy? Like, there, there's a name for it. Not not Donatism. I'm blanking on the name of the... Someone much smarter and more educated than me can come up with the old heresy. But by reducing human beings to that we're just a sum of our parts, like we're somehow not connected to our soul. Yeah. And therefore... Right. Manichaeanism, that we have to escape the body. The body is trapping us. We can't, we can't achieve our true identity until the soul escapes the body. You end up killing yourself if you're a manichae, right? You starve yourself right. to death. The Albigensians and the Manichees, right? It's an old school. Gosh, it's so great to have Eric on this podcast. I just love I me never my Albigensians. There. They they keep popping um, up. You know what I'm saying? But I love I love that. I think the most interesting, and I didn't see this coming, but Josh, the the looking in the mirror, I think is so smart, and I really encourage everyone to do that because it's easy to look at this and be upset, right? Righteously, mm-hmm. this is really disgusting and inhumane in a lot of ways. But the things that have happened to get us here. If you go back to divorcing sex from children with birth control, if you go back to having children outside of marriage, making that a norm, even people uh, dating, living together, not actually getting married. Uh, And then we've seen another trend going on, uh, the double income, no kids movement, where people are just getting married and they're they're making these videos glorifying that lifestyle. And one thing in common with all those videos, it all revolves around consumerism. Uh, yeah, we're double income, no kids. We get to go to dinner and order appetizers. Like somehow that's a replacement for building a family. And it's putting the present generation, you and your quote partner first and your children are secondary to your goals. You have children because you want children. People are missing out on a profound experience of building your own family and legacy that the process of doing that precisely because it's challenging and hard is what makes it f- fulfilling. 100%. And that's where what Catholicism continues to get right, is that we, there will be struggle, there will be pain, there will be labor, but all of those things are sanctifying. And so if you cooperate with God's plan, he will bless you with that the grace and joy that comes with living a good life. And I think when we think about things so consumerism-based, we're robbing ourselves of being in touch with that spirituality. And I'm not even like a spiritual or religious guy. Obviously, I'm Catholic. But there is something spiritual about a child breastfeeding with their mother. There's something there that you can't, you can't measure. Like, wh- you can't what replicate is that? it either. Give me a cup of 
give me a cup of breastfeeding with your mom and what that connection is like. It's a spiritual connection, no doubt. Um, and the more we just go down this road of like daycare for kids all the time and getting rid of, you know, the connection between them, having two dads, like, and I think I also want to say this too, because Josh brought it up and it's important. Uh, people always bring up the argument. Well, uh, what about infernal people? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they supposed to do? Uh, the difference between a man and a man trying to conceive and a man and a woman that have fertility issues, the design of a man and a man, there's no, there's no physical way that a baby could come out of that arrangement. No possible way. Uh, infertility, it's, it's a, the feature of fertility, the feature of a man and woman be, be together is to have children. That's the natural design. There's some bug in that feature that is causing a dot to happen, which of course can be fixed in most cases, some cases not, but like there's, there's always the potential there, whereas there's no potential in the other way. So I always like to lay that out because people get into that. And it's such an annoying argument to me because like, really, we're going to stretch that far to try to make that seem like it's equated. Yeah, I think too, like for Catholics to just realize the enormous gift that we have in our faith that tells us that creation is good and that the given structures of creation that God has put in place for sex and reproduction and the raising of the next generation, fidelity to the fourth commandment, honor thy father, mother, God is our father, that this is a fundamentally good gift from God. And people who are who have rejected that vision see themselves at odds with nature. And this is like, we have to struggle against the givenness of who I am. And I don't like my body. I was born in the wrong body or I'm attracted to the same sex. So I need to make my own kids and force that, that that's a deep tragedy and a loss in them that they can't see the goodness of creation as it is given to us. And as Catholics, we have to live that out and embrace it with all its crosses, with the bugs that come from our fallenness and original sin, and and just proclaim that goodness with how we live our lives and speak about children. Um, and that's that's our role as Catholics and faithful Christians in the world. So don't go on Twitter and be like, you know, unreflectively, oh, <laughs> yay, you had a baby by surrogacy. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, stand up and witness to the truth. Right. Well, it shouldn't be culturally acceptable. Yeah. Well, and again, no you know, it's one thing if you you know, guy and his partner and this baby, they got a big feature in People Magazine. I mean, of course, you know, entertainment rag, and I get that. Parade, yeah. But I, I, I agree Don't with columnist Logan Hall. He said, the nuclear family is the most basic building block of Western civilization. If conservatives can't conserve that, then what's the point of conservatism? You know, so, exactly. and it gets, it gets down to what Mike is the problem drop. with this? The problem with this is that surrogacy is, as you said, the commodification of children while transforming motherhood, one of the most revered things we have, into a business transaction. That's the problem with it. And yes, actually, it all surrogacy is bad, but I'm not going to shy away from as so many other so-called conservatives from like, it's unnatural for two gay men to like, I'm going to raise a child or two. It's like, no, the nuclear family is still the normative. And the, I know that everyone's like, oh, why are you even bringing this up? You know, we've lost this issue because of Obergefell or whatever. You know what? I'm still going to bring it up. I think it's unnatural. I think it's disordered. Same-sex relations is disordered. The natural order for man and woman is, to, is for a man and a woman. So I'm not going to pretend like, oh, shut up, whatever. No, I'm not going to shut up. Sorry. Yeah, good. Respect. Don't shut up, Josh. Respect. But uh, next section here. We're finding Chinese nationals at the southern border. What are we even doing here, guys? I don't even. Where do I saw this? Was like I just where do I compartmentalize this in my brain? I don't even know where this belongs. But we there's this video that went around of Chinese nationals, well dressed Chinese nationals, impeccable luggage, standing at the southern border, coming to America. It's like they're on the beach uh, of San so Diego or something like that. It's crazy. It's what. A, what I don't even know where we're going from here, but basically more than 24,000 Chinese citizens have been apprehended in 2023 crossing the southern border. That's more than the past 10 years combined. Uh, so most are middle, middle class adults and head to New York once they cross. Many come to Darien, uh, the Darien Gap, Panama, the swiftest but most expensive way for immigrants or for migrants to enter the U.S. Illegally, Chinese migrants were the fourth largest national group to use the Darien Gap in 2022. Can I believe that? Guys, that's crazy. Can't. When I thought it couldn't get any crazier at the southern border, it's crazier. We got China, Ch Chinese people. I mean, 
it's kind of funny though because like I've said for so long, like you know, we have so many people in this country who feel like it's they feel naughty or disgusting or evil if they say we should have some sort of barrier at the southern border. Like it just seems so ooh, uncivilized. I just feel uh, we can't do that. We're better than that. We're we're Christian, very unChristian, right? Welcome the stranger. So. I would say to these people, listen, what if you had a billion people from China that wanted to come to this country? Like at some point you have to say no. <laughs> like you can't allow all <laughs> seven the line? billion people on the planet to live in this country. So at some point you have to say, ah, actually you should probably stay. Right? But they never they they just fundamentally think it's just immoral, right? And so I would say, well, gosh, I mean, if we had a billion people from China wanted to come to this country, we we couldn't, we'd have to say no. And now I I just sort of said it as a thought experiment. And then I'm like, wait a minute, 20,000 Chinese have, have crossed into this country in this year alone? That's insane. That's more people that live in my county. Like, I, what? I don't even, I, it's, it's, it's flabbergasting to me. That's just like an odd one that I think popped my attention because I'm just so used to insane numbers at the border was like, okay, now we have Chinese nationals. But just to throw stats mm -hmm. at you, as always, October 20, this is October, one month, 2023, US Border Patrol recorded 188,778 encounters between ports of entry along the Southwest border, a decrease of 14% from September. So September was even worse than this. With those numbers in mind, I mean, Josh, you said like the Chinese nationals would already outnumber your county in rural <laughs> Michigan. So I'm going to talk to the former head of Border Patrol, Mark Morgan, for more information on this because I was just so startled. Like, now we got Chinese nationals at the border. I don't think, I think people know there's a problem. I don't think people know how big of a problem it is. I was talking to someone who's studying immigration law right now, and the workaround, according to him, is that there's caps on all types of immigration except asylum seekers. And what the Biden administration is currently doing is just counting everyone as an asylum seeker. Yep. Shocker. So you can come into the country. It's with the understanding that you'll eventually leave again after, you know, asylum seeking is basically if there's war in your country, you come for a little while and then you leave, you go back to your country. Uh, I mean, these numbers are just completely unprecedented and we have no way to handle. I mean, our cities are overwhelmed. Um, so I want to get more details on the exacts of how unprecedented it is, how this is being done legally, and what are the steps to potentially solving some of these problems. Just for more information from someone who's actually, you know, been at the border. So Yeah, the stat yeah. The stat that always gets me, and I, I think I've dropped this on here before when we were talking about illegal immigration and, and just the the overwhelming, like we're overwhelming, even the blue cities, the mayors are like, Stop, we can't take it. We were wrong. We don't want to be a sanctuary anymore. But the stat that killed me was that since Biden took office, the number of illegal immigrants who have entered the country that pot is greater than the population of half the states. So half of our United States have fewer people in them than the number of illegals who have come in since Biden took office, meaning we've basically taken aboard an entire state's worth of human beings who are undocumented. You know, 28% of them, the Biden administration has lost track of. They don't even know where they went, where they are. Maybe they have an asylum hearing in two years from now. But I think that the massive, just overwhelming numbers, and, and some of you are probably seeing this where you live right now, um, it's it's really incredible. Remember how so much the media lost Mark. their marbles when when the Trump administration lost track of people and kids and families? And this <laughs> yeah, administration does it every day, and it's like... Yeah. All but forgot about Hello. that one. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Just drives me up the wall. And again, it's like one of those things where it's like, Actually, Tom, remember last time on the Loopcast, you talked about how we were talking about uh, internet pornography. And you said the one major company, Pornhub, actually has tons of illicit, illegal material, child stuff, nasty, oh, yeah. immoral stuff. I mean, everything, stuff, everything yeah. they have on their website is immoral, but this stuff is truly just despicably horrible. And it's not, and you would think, you would think they would be horrified. Oh my gosh, get this offer. Get it out. Get off. Get off. But they don't. They don't do that. And you made the point. They don't do that because they know they make money from it. They, people are watching it and they're monetizing it. 
They are making money. So something that on the outside, we would say, how in the world are they allowing that? They should get rid of that. Then you say, hey, they're keeping it for a reason. They want it that way. You know what? It's the same thing, same thing with this border. The average American is like, how is it that the 25,000 Chinese could come across the border illegally over this, the course of this year? How is it that every month, like 200,000 people come across the border illegally? How could this, how could the Biden administration allow 200,000 people to cross the border illegally and not do anything about it? Because they want it. They want it. They want hundreds of thousands of people to cross this border illegally to come into this country. They want to transform America. Remember, that's what Biden, uh, Obama, Biden administration said. Obama said, we want to transform America. Hope and change. And then, and then when we have the gall to say, wait a minute, it seems like you're trying to change the entire country from within, just like what's going on in Europe, where you, you know, a bunch of people are coming from like Turkey and other parts of the world and you're yeah, changing. Open over there. And, yeah. and, and people are like, wait a minute, this isn't what we called for. And then we say, it's like you're trying to replace us. And you say, oh, radical right-wing conspiracy theory, this great replacement theory. And then you wait 10 minutes and then they say, yeah, actually, that's what we're doing. You lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Yep. Classic, like, oh, yeah, that's not happening. And then the next step is, yeah, that is happening and it's good. And then the step after that is, you know, it's already a done, inevitable, you can't do anything about it. It's like, actually, maybe mm -hmm. we will. Right. Right. Maybe it's we over. will elect somebody who will do something about it. Just try us. If we can land on the moon, we can fix our own border. Uh, speaking of illegal immigration, though, we slide into the Twilight Zone, and I'm up first. So Illinois' favorite senator, Dick Durbin, known for not letting... What was his most recent thing? He didn't let people debate on the floor over a judicial candidate, federal judicial candidate, and that really no, set people off. No, the up. latest thing... That's not even the Twilight Zone. The latest thing for Dick Durbin was that he blocked an attempt to subpoena the flight records of Jeffrey Epstein. Come on, man. And yes. Dick Durbin is that was a, a part of it. No, he did. He, Catholic, so-called Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not not doing too hot lately, but he really thought he had one. He I, I, After he said this, he really thought, like, I just ate with this line here. But he spoke about a solution to our overwhelm, to being overwhelmed at the border by illegal immigrants. He said, you know, the U.S. Army we're really missing our recruiting goals. I have no idea why uh, it doesn't make sense. We're the best military and we have the best marketing ever. And yet people don't want to join. I don't know if it's the vaccine. I don't know if it's the drag stuff. I don't know, but it's just not working. So in order to meet our recruiting shortfalls, let's have illegal immigrants serve in the military for their opportunity to gain citizenship. Just I'm, just gonna let the, I'm gonna let the mic rock on that one for a little bit. Let's that. just let that one simmer. <laughs> Late stage public. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. People who have no no allegiance to America, unfettered. Let's just hand them weapons, throw them in the Middle East, and Hunger Games. If they survive, you come back be American. I mean, there's there's two obvious reactions to this. Two two obvious reactions. To yeah. This. Hit me with number, it. What you're saying, number one. Hey, people who entered our country illegally, let's give them guns. So the only people who will be able to have guns in this yeah. country, if the, if you're the left, because they want to take <laughs> away guns from law-abiding people like me, the only people who should have guns are people coming to this country illegally. That's Brilliant. number one, really, really stupid. Number two, it seems to me the left loves war as much as they like to pretend they don't. Like, you know, it's all that protest. It's all a joke. The left loves war. You look at it, and in fact, Bob Dole got in trouble when he ran for vice president back in 76. He referred to all these wars as the Democrat wars. People got crazy at him. It was only with George W. Bush that people associated with Republicans with warmongering and John McCain. But actually, it's Democrats who love war because war is the power of the state. You can expand the size of the government, and, and the left loves government. And so they want war because they want government to be more encroached, get more tax revenue, get do more things. And so to me, this, what Dick Durbin said, I'm less like, I mean, I, I still have this idea, like someone who comes into a country illegally, why would you want to give them guns? There's that element, obviously. But the, se the second element here to me is, wait a minute. You're so worried about all these wars like the Ukraine. And now more and more Americans with all so many men and women who have died in Iraq and Afghanistan, all the blood, the, the people come back with 
broken, you know, artificial limbs. And they, and we, and we're starting to really question whether that was that, that seemed kind of like that wasn't the best use of time, talent, treasure, you know, and, and so many, uh, <laughs> so many Americans, you know, fought in these wars and then they come home and then we have, uh, unfortunately suicides. And so I, I feel like what Dick Durbin's doing here is like, we need, we need fresh meat. We, we need more bodies. We, we need, we need fodder, cannon fodder. So let's just take these illegal immigrants and maybe they'll fight the war in Ukraine because I can't convince people in the heartland to do it anymore. That's what gets me thinking on that. Yeah, fresh meat was the first thing that came to my mind, too. I was thinking of like the orcs going like, meat's back on the menu, boys. We've got all these illegal immigrants. <laughs> Let's give them guns and send them overseas. The Democrats and people get mad if you use the term illegal immigrant, but they're willing to throw them overseas at wars to see if they get into America. Like these are all the humane immigrant treatment people. What is humane about it's this? It's almost like they're lying. <laughs> 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 you're right you're right you're right i i just yeah i couldn't get over that one i was like i cannot think of a dumber and then i he said it like he was expecting people to clap what this is where we're at erica you're 12 all right i'm gonna I, I had a hard time this week because i was torn between john Kerry and riley Gaines, but i think john Kerry's is gonna wait because i think he's gonna do more twilight zone things over the weekend so we'll wait for him for next week but riley Gaines. The, the best. best. One of my favorite interviews, actually, Pogo. I'll put it in the show notes Pogo did with her. That's so good. Really awesome. So there was a hearing. The Biden administration wants to expand Title IX. All you female athletes out there, you know Title IX uh, was instated with the intention of protecting women's sports, giving it more, more equitable status with male sports and colleges that take federal funding. Well, the Biden administration, of course, wants to blow that out all up and include gender identity in Title IX so that now it's not women's sports, it's people who identify as women's sports, including males who think they're women. Um, so there was a hearing on this rule change for Title IX, and uh, Chairwoman McLean, uh, Lisa McLean, great defender of female athletes, she, she opened it up with fire then Representative Summer Lee from the great state of Pennsylvania, the founding fathers are rolling over in their graves. She gets up in her opening statement, even before the panel testifies in defense of women in sports. And she just basically says, today we're going to hear transphobics telling us that women need privacy in their locker rooms and all this transphobic false facts. And it, she just she rail. She's just totally unprofessional, name calling. Well, she she called she called Riley a transphobe. Yeah, she just called them. These people are going to tell. Or these people are transphobics who are going to testify today. That was the bottom line from Summer Lee. So, Riley Gaines starts her testimony. She gives a beautiful defend um, testimony of her experience with William Thomas in her locker room, the male swimmer who took the title from her William and Thomas, she yeah. William I'm not calling him Leah I'm sorry I'm so over this but she goes she ends her testimony she ended her testimony with and to Summerlee if my remarks are transphobic then your opening statement makes you a misogynist and Summerlee's face dropped <laughs> like a stone and she awesome. <laughs> and then the next person begins her testimony. And all of a sudden you hear, excuse me, excuse me, Madam Chairwoman, excuse me. Summer Lee's raising her hand and she goes, uh, I move to strike the, the gentlewoman's remarks from the record because Summer Lee didn't want it in the record that she'd been called a misogynist. I guess it hurt her feelings or something. So there's this long pause and the committee convenes. And in the end, they they keep the remarks in and Summer Lee concedes her time the time back to the. Did you did you like my tweet? I did like your tweet. <laughs> you want to share with the audience your tweet? You got to throw it up for video. I said uh, I just sent uh, Summer Lee right now, and it was a sharp and soft family pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I was just like, come on, grow a pair. Oh wait, you can't. <laughs> she's she's that was the softest thing I've ever seen. I, I guess so... I can't think too much of the spine of some of these representatives, but yeah. Charmin's soft. Yeah. I mean, are you serious? Shout out to Riley. After, Gaines, after throwing around insults. Yeah. Yeah. Riley's not Charmin soft, man. She's like steel well, as they come. Well, she came up with I that on her, her feet. She was just like, she added that to her She's prepared remarks. She's just like, if I'm a transphobe, then you're a misogynist. Mercer. 
Well, my Twilight Zone, uh, Randy Weingarten is head of the, one of the teachers' unions, and she tweeted out this Gosh. week. So what she said. She's the worst. <laughs> In-person learning is where kids do best, which is why educators and their unions worked hard to reopen U.S. schools for safe in-person learning beginning back in April 2020, and why we spent the last several years following the pandemic prioritizing public schooling and investing, and it goes on and on and on, and people are just like losing their minds. And this point, I, I want to... One of my Mercer maxims, you got to remember this. The other side lies <laughs> through their teeth. <laughs> They're not even, she's not, she's not saying, you know what? We, maybe we went a little too hardcore in, in, in opposing reopening schools. She's like, no, we were in favor of opening schools. Oh my gosh, you absolutely were not. You're such a liar. It drive, drives me crazy. What, I, I had hair. I had hair when she started this. I just started ripping it out, losing my hair. I was going crazy. <laughs> That's where it went. <laughs> and then at the same thing at the debate oh between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. Gavin Newsom's oh, attacking Ron DeSantis for being, you know, closing the beaches and closing the schools. It's like, what on earth? And this no. is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. No. <laughs> Gavin Newsom, you shut everything down. We had to fight you in, in the Supreme Court to open churches up. Just drives and you he know. just stands so, there and says the opposite of what happened. Well, not only not only did he shut everything down, he ate the French Laundry. <laughs> yeah, he was the worst of all of them. He right. was eating at fancy restaurants while he shut everything down because it, it wasn't closed down to him, right? Because he would just do whatever he wanted to. The major news outlets declared the winner of that debate, Gavin Newsom. No yeah, way! No, so no you way! Go I didn't to even any see that. Like CNN, NBC, there's a no way. Well, we watched way. the debate, and Newsom definitely won. And here's why he they said that they were they they said you know DeSantis had more arguments, and it's hard to argue that Florida you know was worse than <laughs> California. But Gavin Newsom came across better on camera, and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this sort of Nixon Kennedy thing where you're like, well. You know, the radio audience would have gone for DeSantis, but if you look at the camera, Kennedy was better looking. Because, so that is because so Gavin Newsom, like Bill Clinton, was a t is a total sociopath, and he, everything he's every every lie he says, he believes as if it was given to him on Mount Sinai. I mean, it's just like from on high. This is <laughs> this is what it is, and, and and it's he is. I mean, Gavin Newsom, give him credit. He looks like every single movie villain villain you've ever seen for the last 30 years. The guy, you look at him, one look at him, like, this guy is obviously evil, right? We all we all know this, right? And the people are like, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's more popcorn. This is great, you know? He's good looking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, he's like every movie villain, but an extra pound of hair gel, probably. He's big on the so, hair gel. So, I mean, Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis, two very different ways of looking at the world. Yeah. One is the governor of prosperous and successful Florida, pro-life state, California, going hog wild with you know, abortion and also yeah, transgender surgeries on kids. Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis, actually both claim to be Catholic. And what a difference right. these two men have in it when it comes to policies. Very yeah. Twilight Zone. I mean, Erica, you're telling me they didn't bring up the poop map? Yeah. <laughs> I thought the poop map was, was, that was the, a, the dagger. That was a zinger. That was a yeah, zinger I thought that Ron was, DeSantis. That was the end of the I'll debate. Have to link. I'll but... link it in the show notes for people who want to go watch the, uh, the, the poop comment there. Yeah. Yeah, let's. I'm not. I, let's just say I'm not even going to explain yeah. the poop map. You just got to think about what that means, and then understand that that was a killer in the debate. So, um, if you want to help us out, reviews. Go review Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Send us an email, loopcast@catholicvote.org. As of most recent, I have to bring this up. Shout out to you, Mary. Uh, the podcast has officially made it. All our complaints have reached uh, the, e the ears of the right people. Uh, we are in touch and they are sending us merch. Woo! So the best case scenario of this is that we start a merch okay. war with all different Newman Catholic Guide co colleges and they all fight over sending us merch. So wow. if you uh, want to be married that. to the punch. What? Funny you say that. I just got invited to speak at another Newman College. So Ooh. Uh, Benedictine College. Gonna so I'm gonna have to, oh, gonna, yeah. Oh, Benedictine. Going to have to go check out the campus there. So shout out to President Ravens. Minister. Send us merch. Ravens, Raven yeah. merch. Send us, send us merch. The Benedictine people. Get on it. <laughs> I mean, you're inviting Josh. I mean, you, Mary's going to outdo you. I'm, I'm, fully, I'm fully willing to start a merch war over this. But shout out you, Mary. Uh, you guys are the best. 
and you might see us wearing it on a future podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, last thing, last thing. Go check out the previous interview if you're still listening to this. Are you kidding me? Hormel Academy. Uh, I want to go back to school to go to this place. Yep. Uh, it was one of the most interesting solutions to real problems that we have in America right now. Go check that out. I'm not, I'm not going to. It was recorded at a workshop. So that's in all I need situ. to say about it. It was amazing. It was great. Unleash the manual Sound effect genius. complete. Yep. But until that, we will see you on the next one. Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Fidelis, St. Thomas More. Pray for us. And we will see you guys next week. 